All right, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Business of Fitness Podcast. I'm Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, we have Matt De La Valle, also known as MDV, who's our CFO, Chief Fitness Officer at NC Fit, who oversees all of our coaching and fitness throughout the organization. We we really try with this podcast to talk about things that are relevant to us, talk about things that are on my, our mind on a regular basis. We've been putting out content for the last couple of years, specifically on this podcast. And if you haven't checked out our previous episodes, please do so. But the goal is to talk about what's right here, right now, as the industry evolves. And one thing that was evolving today was this concept of the curse of the unpaid coach. And I think that at this point in our industry, this is more relevant than it's ever been. 10 years ago, nine years ago, eight years ago is different. But as the industries evolve, we have to be even more and more aware of the curse of the unpaid coach. Dive in, get ready for a 20, 30 minute episode today. Sip on your coffee, get ready to crush it and enjoy another episode of the Business of Fitness podcast. Let's go. All right, everybody, and welcome back to the Business of Fitness Podcast. I'm Jason Kleep. I'm here with MDV. We are rocking a great episode today on this concept of something I think haunts a lot of gyms and I think is a, a part of a lot of gyms, which is the curse of the unpaid coach. And my motivation for this came from, you know, we travel a lot. We talk to a lot of gym yeah, owners sure. and a lot of gym owners will always bring up like, hey, how much should we pay our coaches? And then one of my questions would be like, oh, well, what do you normally start them out? Like, oh, well, you know, normally we just start them off as a trade out, right? They trade out for be able to use the gym. I'd be like, okay, all right. So you hear that over and over and over again. And today I visited a class at a, a jujitsu school and I recognize that this issue isn't just with, you know, boutique fitness, but also with jujitsu and martial arts where the gentleman I know for a fact wasn't paid for this class, right? It's just a trade out. And he started the class 20 minutes late, super, you know, kind of bro mentality. And it was fine. It, it was okay for that class, but it set the tone that, Hey, this is more of a hobby for him. And I'm more about the culture versus like a professional. Hey, at eight o'clock, the class starts at nine o'clock, the class finishes. And I wonder what this does for the longevity of that person's business when the coaches that are coaching aren't being paid and therefore what is their mindset going into it? And I would call it the curse of the unpaid coach leads into a lot of issues, yeah. right? I, I love this topic because I think a lot of uh, gym owners in our space are experiencing this right now yeah. uh, or have experienced it in the past. And, and even outside of our space, I think, like you said, it's something that is probably common in boutique fitness gyms where you have somebody who formerly was a member of your gym and is so passionate about what you're doing. And then you kind of have this like agreement with them that, oh, you're going to start leading classes. You're going to start being a part of what we're doing. And they, they make that switch from being a member into uh, being part of your staff, but you're not paying them. It's kind of like this like half agreement, right? Yeah. And I, I understand why some gym owners might go this route because you know probably this person pretty well. You might trust them. They might be uh, an institution within your gym already. They might have like a following or command some of the respect to the people around them. 
But there's some stuff that you got to think about before you pull the trigger on something like that. And there's definitely some pitfalls and some situations you want to avoid. I think we're both in the same mindset that if you can avoid this situation by doing a few simple things, it's probably better for you. Yeah, I mean, I would would go out on a limb and say that at no time is there a good time to have someone coach for you or provide provide a service to your members that isn't being compensated. Mm -hmm. And I I say that for three main reasons. You cannot really control the quality because they're not getting paid for it. So it's kind of tough to ask them to perform at a certain expectation. Legally, they're probably not underneath your insurance. So they provide somebody some type of feedback and that person gets hurt. What happens there? And then, you know, thirdly, what message does that really send to the to the overall community about where you're going as an organization? Is it going to be more of a, hey, we're going to, you know, hey, uh, you know, I'm going on vacation, can you cover classes? And just Sally, who's currently a member, just jumps in and coaches a class. What message does that say to the, to the members about where you want to go as an organization mm-hmm. in terms of the product on the floor that you're trying to provide them? Yeah. So I, I really think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but is there ever a time where you'd want to, yeah, I have somebody who's free doing it. I mean, because the argument you would say is, well, maybe you can't afford it. Mm-hmm. But then I would say you're never going to be able to afford it if you don't afford it. Yeah. Meaning you'll never be able to pay somebody unless you start paying somebody because then you have this revolving door, which you and I have talked about. Yeah, for Where sure. you have new members come in the door, they get a subpar experience because the person that's coaching them isn't getting paid and they leave. Yeah. So let I think it's valuable to talk about why uh, a gym owner might be in this situation or might consider the situation. And then we can talk about whether or not we think it's valid, but like why might a gym owner bring on somebody who's unpaid into their organization? Right. I think the first reason gym owners might do that is because it's easy. You know, it's easy to look at somebody who's already within your system, already within your community and somebody who's maybe a talented athlete or who's expressed a passion for what you're doing. And you go, you know what? I think that you could coach for me and why don't we just say I'll comp your membership and you lead five classes a yeah. week, right? That it's easy, yeah, right? There's it's a low easy. barrier to entry. For it's sure. Easy. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, another reason why gym owners might find themselves in this situation is maybe an emergency occurs, right? Mm-hmm. And you have somebody who you think can cover your classes just in case, right? The just in case scenarios. I think in either one of those situations, it's probably not the best solution for your gym. Um, You know, in the first scenario, you're taking somebody from a member role and then putting them into a staff role. And you said a couple of things that I agree with you. Um, You know, the professionalization of what they're actually doing is going to be tough. Um, they're, They're more than likely going to look at it as a side hustle or a side gig because it's probably not the only thing that they're doing, they're probably not a professional coach or trainer. Right. And then you run into this really awkward circumstance with you need to do things. Like uh, if you're paying somebody, the expectations can be very clear about the exchange of services. I'm going to give you this $40 an hour. And what you give back to me is this, 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 and this. Right. Your class starts at this time. You finish at this time. I need you to be here 10 minutes early. For sure. You could clearly state it. For sure. And then other things as well, like the state of the gym as they start their class and the state of the gym as they end their class, right? And you can help or you can guide the people who you pay 
to make sure that they're living up to those standards. I just think it's an awkward conversation with people who aren't employed by you where let's say they leave the gym a mess after their class and then you ask them to clean it up and they go, well, I'm, I'm not being paid for that. I'm only being, I'm only doing this as a favor to you, right? right? So you run into that whole bullshit, which I think just in general, you want to avoid. Yeah, that's a, I mean, and then let's, let's put on the legal cap just for a second. And, and I want to note this that uh, MDV went to law school. I surely didn't. And we've been learning the hard way here through <laughs> all the gyms, but from a legal perspective, I don't believe they would be covered because they're not listed as a W-2. So if you're a W-2 employee underneath the company, then you fall underneath that insurance, mm -hmm. et cetera. If you're a 1099 uh, contractor, traditionally you'll carry your own insurance. But I guess what would happen if you're, I mean, I guess where is the protection at if you're technically just another member of the gym providing feedback to another member? But yeah. you're but you're coming off as the authoritative figure. What is I, that? I, the 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 short answer is I don't know. But it's not a situation that you want to be in. So <laughs> let, let's let's just the fir, the rule, number one rule of being a lawyer or the first thing they tell you in law school is you can sue anyone for anything at any time, right? And I think as a gym owner, what you want to do is have all of your ducks in a row because if somebody gets hurt in your gym. And it's a situation where things start to go towards a legal action. They're going to sue you. Right. It doesn't matter who's on the floor or did they sign a waiver or did you ask them about injuries? They are suing you. Right. And what you want to do as an attorney, as a, a gym owner or the person who's being sued is number one, you want to uh, secure legal counsel as fast, competent legal counsel as fast as possible. But before you do that, you want to make sure everything that you've done to that point is as by the book as possible, right? You've had them sign their waiver. They've gone through an introductory course where they understand the risks and benefits of the service that you're providing. The people who are in the gym are employees of you and are classified properly. They all have their training, their first aid, their CPR. You have your AAD mounted on the wall and the batteries are up to date and the, the med kit is checked regularly. All that shit is you dialed in. You have your emergency in. action plans. You have all this. Yeah. Because any good lawyer... If somebody gets hurt and it's due to the negligence or the setup of the facility or something where there's a, a crack, what they're going to do is they're going to go into the crack and they're going to take vices and go whoosh and open it up. And then that's the end of your business. And how stupid would it be to end your business because you decided to barter a membership with a coach? Yeah. And I think, you know, I, by the way, that was, that was really good insight. I appreciate that where anybody can sue anybody for anything. But you want to kind of be as buttoned up as possible. For sure. And looking back on a situation that we had a long time ago where, you know, we, we got into a lawsuit situation, same exact thing occurred. When, when this person went to the lawyer to discuss certain things about what happened, the lawyer was just looking for that little crack. And once they found the crack, they were able to open it mm -hmm. up. But had that not crack not presented itself as quickly or whatever, maybe there wouldn't have been an issue. So it's really interesting. But, you know, back to this whole free thing. I mean, if we're stating all the negatives. And I think, I think even most people would agree with these negatives. Then what is the positive? And I think what you're going to say is a gym owner doesn't feel like they have the appropriate funds to compensate these people. So they do a trade out. Is that, would that be the only reason why I'm trying to think of yeah, other reasons? I, I think that that might be one reason why, like, uh, you, you look at your financials and you go, well, I can't afford to pay 
somebody $40 an hour to coach a class when I can do it myself. And that might be the case in your first few months, right? But if you want to take your business anywhere beyond where you are the only person who's opening, closing, and coaching every single class, you're going to have to get outside of your own bubble and bring people in, and you should do it the right way. It's not sustainable, at least in my opinion, for the person who is the owner of the gym to be coaching every single class. Because yeah. if you're coaching every single class, what are you not doing? Right. right? You're not building the business. You're not focused on retention or whatever. And what type of product are you offering? Yeah. Most gyms out there, let's just say, have five classes a day at a, for a minimum. Probably. Would you say? If you're coaching five classes a day, it's not that it's five hours of work. I think some people have a misimpression of what we do for a living. First off, five hours of coaching is a lot of energy being expended. For sure. But also, the hours aren't consistent. It's not like you and I podcast for five hours in a row. Yes, that's exhausting, but it's five hours in a row. Mm -hmm. When you coach 6 a.m., 7 a.m., like yesterday or whatever the day before was, you were, um, oh, you were doing, uh, you went to Redwood City and you're coaching and you get up at 3.30 for yeah. a 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. class, excuse me. Yeah. By the time 3.30 in the afternoon hits, you're pretty exhausted. That's what most people feel like. Yeah. But if you're coaching all your classes, it's not like they're back to back. Yeah. So what kind of product are you putting out there? For is, sure. Is a really good thing. Yeah. And, you know, the longer you start to put these decisions off to make another hire, that was the end of the podcast. Jason got tired of it. <laughs> no, the lights went off. The longer you put these decisions off, the harder it is for your community members to accept somebody new into the fold. You know, if you're the only person who's coaching for mm. a year or more yeah, and you, you set a certain standard, your members more than likely, unless like uh, you, you, there's a, a right way to do this in my opinion, but there's also a wrong way. But if you bring somebody in right away and just like, all right, Sally's going to start coaching every morning class because I can no longer do it. And all of a sudden Sally's in there and your members don't know what's up. Like it's an uphill battle for right. Sally. Right. That's a wrong way to do it. Yeah. But to your point, if you're coaching all the classes every day, then, you know, you're really, you're really just in the business. You got to get outside the business and you got to create it as less of a hobby and more as a business. Yeah. And so I think, I think what, what it comes down to is the curse of the unpaid coach is that in your mind, it's very alluring. It's very, it's very simple to do. And I'd be lying to anybody if I didn't say that when we first started out, I did a few trade outs for memberships. One in particular was, Hey, I'm gonna give you a free membership. All you need to do is clean the gym. Mm. But I never set the expectation of what does it mean to clean the gym, right? So it was like, Hey man, get a free membership, clean the gym. Well, what I should have said is you get a free membership for, you know, I don't know, twice a week performing this scope. And I shouldn't even have done it that way. Yeah. What I should have said is, Hey, you pay me for our service and we'll pay you for your service. And in the long run, it just makes it a lot easier. Yeah. You know, but I think back to the quality control piece, the biggest issue with the curse, of the unpaid coach is that although it might seem at the time, like the only option, it's not the only option. It's not, it's not because you got to think long term, and you might need to take a hit today to 10 exit tomorrow. <clears throat> and in the short run, yes, you're paying somebody, let's just say for the sake of my 25 bucks an hour, even if it's 20, even if it's 20, 15, 25 bucks an hour, at least you're paying them something. Mm -hmm. You have a clear job description. You have a clear, whatever, whatever occurs. Even if you end up having them qualify as a contractor and you don't have to pay payroll taxes, that's a whole nother discussion. But the point being is at least you start off paying them something 
at least you get on, let's just say four classes a week. Maybe you're incurring $200 a week in payroll expense. You're looking at 800 bucks a month. You're saying, wow, how am I going to cover that? But I'm confident with the classes that they're coaching for you to be focused on growing the business with sales and marketing, you'll gain a member or two. Mm -hmm. And then now because you're paying them, you could require them to coach at a specific level. Now when these new members you get come in, they're going to have a better experience. Yeah. And it's going to create this snowball effect of improvement and growth versus a snowball effect of a revolving door where you have someone who's a free coach, someone comes in, has a poor experience, they're gone. Mm. Every new member is worth a lot. And yeah. so we got to remind ourselves that not be short-sighted that way. Yeah. I, I, you know what I, I mean? I think that that kind of plays into how we view the uh, craft of coaching at NC Fit and I think how we are encouraging people to view the craft of coaching and that is as a profession. It's a professional skill. This is not uh, a hobby. This is not something that's like just fun to do. It's not something that like, oh, uh, uh, you know, I have a couple of extra hours and uh, I really like being at the gym. So I, I want to be a coach. I think that that sets you up for failure and is the wrong way to look at anything that you want to take seriously, right? Like think about a doctor, right? So you go to your doctor's office. If your doctor needed to take time off, the doctor wouldn't ask the person who's working the front desk to see their patients. Right. Right. So why, if you are a, a head coach or if you're an owner, why are you asking Joe Schmoes to lead your classes? Like that makes no sense to me. And what I think we need to do is start thinking about coaching as a profession. And I think that will elevate the entire field, right? So in a profession, what you do is you have specific training, right? So there is specific training out there, obviously the level one, which we've talked about before, which is an amazing course, but beyond the level one, you need site specific training. If a coach is going to come into your gym or if a coach is coming into NC fit, they go through a series of uh, processes before they're taking the floor, right? So there's either the apprentice, the apprentice process, guy, the, the intern process, yep. right? The interview process, how somebody is onboarded as a new coach who has experience. And all of that stuff is to help the coach once they stand up, uh, stand up on the floor in front of the class without anybody else anymore to set them up for success and to make sure the members have a great experience as well, right? And that's the professionalization of coaching. You have all these study tools. You have all these processes that you're helping bring this person along. You're not just saying, all right, you've got a great six packs of abs and you can do uh, butterfly pull-ups. Can you lead my classes when I'm away? Dude, you're, you are blowing my mind a little bit right now. And I, we're going to share this in a number of different ways because it's really interesting to me. What you said Aside from like boutique fitness, martial arts schools, can you think of any other, so aside from like a community, mm -hmm. like let's just say you, like a, a hobby for most people, right? Hobby might be, uh, I don't know, becoming an archery in like whatever mm -hmm. or whatever ho hobbies, you know, hobbies coming to the gym and this mm -hmm. is like your third place, whatever. Aside from that, can you think of any other profession in the world where, the person who's actually performing the duty can just find really for the sake of argument, almost anybody, bro, they won't let you do that at a fucking coffee shop, right? They, they won't let you do that. <laughs> Think about it. It's crazy. If you peel back the layers no, of this, this thing. is, that's what I'm talking right? about. I mean, you made a great analogy with the doctor. Now that's a, that's a very that's the extreme, but let's, but let's even talk about, you know, even like a, uh, I don't know, construction, construction, right? 
No, you, you no, can't do that. No, 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 no. Because, yeah. because you're assuming that the person that's performing the task has a skill set that's been developed over years with industry knowledge and out, you know, actual practical application, of course. But you assume going into these things that like, th- that's the prerequisite to be able to perform it. And I think as an industry, we need to constantly be thinking about this as professional coaches. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's exceptions to the rule every now and then. If you have someone who has a full-time job, let's just say they work for Google, but they're really interested in elevating their craft. They've done a lot to educate themselves and they could coach on the weekends, one or two classes. That's an ex- that's a different that's story. That's a completely different scenario. Right. But if you're having someone who you know just wants to, during the week, if you're just a member saying, hey, can you cover these classes for this amount of time? It goes back to what you're talking about. That's a really, 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 really valuable analogy that I hope everybody who's in our industry could pick up on. It doesn't happen anywhere else. It doesn't happen anywhere. Like just because I know how to pour a cup of coffee doesn't mean when my friend gets sick at Chromatic Coffee or Starbucks or wherever I'm going to get my cup of coffee, I can take their place. That doesn't happen, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and what you're talking about is a completely different scenario. Like we do have employees here at NC Fit. And notice what I said, employees, they're employees of us who have other jobs and do other things, but they have gone through the same training processes yeah, yeah, yeah. that somebody who's taking a role in our organization, who's only going to be a coach, who only coaches, right? They'd go through the same process, not different. It's not like I have a different set of standards for uh, one of our coaches who uh, she works as a project manager for a construction company. Right. And she coaches amazing classes, but it, t- it took her time to get to that point. She trained. Yeah, and she's paid educated. for her service. Yeah, for sure. Wow, that's a really, that was a really, really good analogy because I hadn't really thought about it that way. You know, you go to the doctor's office and the guy's not like, or girl, isn't like, hey, you know, I, I got to go take a break. My, uh, you know, my <laughs> my son's been, you know, shadowing me for the last couple months. He's going to go ahead and take over. Like, well, dude, like, yeah, I don't know, strange. man. It is really strange. <laughs> Should this guy be doing that? I think it kind of goes back to, like, <laughs> how things started within functional training, like how uh, CrossFit kind of yeah. popularized things as being more laid back. And, like, you know, this is uh, a, for a lot of people, it was a passion project when they first got into it. And I think it's kind of changing a little bit. You're seeing yeah. people get into this for different reasons now. But, like, I think that that side of what CrossFit did, uh, there's a lot of pros, right? There was a lot of really cool stuff that happened, like, you know, really creative and fun workout environments and like, um, a style of community that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. But some of the downside of it is it, it can be too lackadaisical. It can be too loose. And I think that that definitely manifests sometimes in how you treat your coaches or treat them as employees or whether they're members or not. Yeah. And which leads you into a slew of other concerns, right? If you have this really um, casual relationship with people that are performing tasks for you where they're not even getting paid, but let's just say they do get paid. Well, you need to create clear lines of communication, yeah. clear um, clear guidelines, right? And I mean, one of the things that we use, and you guys could go ahead and uh, let us know if you're interested. We, we use our uh, job limit criteria, but also our coaching evaluation forms, mm which is a way that we could really try and think about our coaches as professionals, whether you're coaching one hour a week or a hundred or, you know, whatever, 20 hours a week, we want to provide consistent feedback on a reoccurring basis. Mm. And it's hard to provide feedback and really kind of think about ways to elevate when that individual, not only are they not coaching that often, they haven't been taken through a process of clearly explaining what you want. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? It's For just, sure. I, there's I, so many negatives involved I think anybody here. who's ever been involved in any sort of people management, right, knows that 
the best way to get the most out of your people and the best way to make sure that there's no conflict is to have really clear expectations and really clear communication, right? Right. If you have clear expectations, I'm talking expectations that are written down on a piece of paper physically, you can read them, you can see them, you can agree upon them. And you have a conversation with the person where you go through them and you make sure that they understand what you're asking for. They might deviate from those expectations. I'm not saying that that's going to guarantee that they're going to. Right. But it's something for you to revert back to. But yeah, you can go back to it and you can say, hey, listen, we sat down and we agreed to this. So this is out. You're not doing something that's within the contract that we have. You are not meeting the expectations of your job. If you don't have something like that, it's going to, it's going to lead to confusion. It's going to lead to uh, some, it could lead to distaste in your mouth to working with that person because they're constantly not living up to your expectation, but your expectation isn't made clear. Right. If, if you don't have a clear expectation, it's, it's impossible for people to live up to it. Guys, I really hope that for anybody listening who owns a boutique fitness center, a jujitsu gym, a coffee shop, doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. It's really important that you pay people because then you could require them to perform at a specific expectation. Like we're just saying, mm -hmm. it's also important from a legal perspective, right? I mean, it, 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 there's so there's a slew of issues in addition if this person who's not getting paid for their service ends up going to the labor department and you know eventually ends up I mean that's a whole another yeah. issue right like there's just too many negatives involved that when you really sit back my recommendation is if you have people that are on trade out for coaching classes for anything really but for coaching in particular just take a step back for a second pause evaluate what you can pay, what you, what you should pay, right? Sit down, draw up a job description, go sit with this person and say, Hey, look, we need to put you on payroll. You could use companies like paychecks or uh, is it eight ADP? Mm -hmm. eight, ADP, ADP, right? They could take out all the taxes for you. It's a really easy way to do it and just do it right from the beginning. And it'll help you with your growth over time Yeah, because it's a dead end road. Just trying to think that you can have people who aren't getting paid perform a service at the level that you want to get to. Yeah. This, I mean, I hope that as the people are listening to what we're talking about here, that they're going through the same cost and benefit analysis that I'm going through in my head right now, where the, the benefit of doing this is convenience, right? Awesome. It's convenient because you can ask somebody on short notice and it's, you know, this person and whatever they've been around yeah. the gym. What's another benefit is that it's not costing, it's not costing you anything in the present, right? Yeah. I don't have to pay them a monthly membership. I can just kind of scratch that from the sheets, but it, it gets so far outweighed by all the stuff over here that could go wrong. That could be an, an issue for you in managing this person. That could be a poor standard that you're setting for your coaches and everything else. And not to mention, like if something actually does go wrong, the legal ramifications of everything, it, it, it just is it completely outrageous. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a totally separate note, but I was listening to a podcast with Damon John from FUBU, mm. and he said that he did an evaluation when he was 16 years old. He did an evaluation if he worked part-time or full-time at McDonald's, he got paid, let's just say, 15 bucks an hour and what that would come out to. Or he could become a drug dealer. And if he became a drug dealer, <laughs> yeah. he would make, let's just say, I don't know, $10,000 a month, whatever. He did an evaluation over the next five years and he said, hey, if I'm a drug dealer for the next five years, how much money am I going to make? If I'm working at McDonald's for the next five years, how much money am I going to make? When he did the evaluation, 
he he didn't just look at it like, oh, okay, if I make $1,000 a month at McDonald's, I make 10000 a month at drug dealing. What he looked at is the macro scale. And when he looked at the long run, what he said was the average drug dealer goes to jail and needs attorney fees after two to three years. Hmm. So he took that in consideration. The average drug dealer then is out of that five years, at least a year because they're in jail. So now it's not five years, it's actually four years of income generating revenue. Mm. I thought it was a really interesting way for him to look at it on this macro scale. And I think when we take that approach, which totally yeah. offshoot, <laughs> when you take that approach and you bring it back to us, right? If you, if you think about it on a macro long-term scale, paying people for their service, having clear, concise guidelines, and is going to be in the long run, always pay off. I can't think of another way that it doesn't because every other business in the world with the exceptions of a few of these boutique fitness centers are paying people for their service. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I really like that example. That's a really cool, I've never heard that one. But I mean, <laughs> no, it's, it's really good because regardless of whether or not you're talking about selling drugs, you're talking about being a fitness service. Like right. people often forget that there are hidden costs and things, right? Yeah. And it's not just looking at the $20 out of your pocket for every hour that you have to pay this person. It's like you said, it's the legal fees if something happens yeah. that this person is not classified Or what if this correctly? guy wants to go on vacation for a month yeah. and you were assuming they're going to coach classes? They have yeah. no obligation to tell you ahead of time. Yeah. Hey, I'm going out of town for a summer. What are you going to do? Yeah, for sure. Guys, if you are a gym owner out there um, or of any type, if you haven't checked out the NC Fit Collective, we're putting out the world's best session plans, programming, daily videos. Our crew here is really, really fired up what we have going on with our private Facebook group and all the content we're putting out. Send us an email to collective at nc.fit um, or just check it out. Uh, go to nc.fit, check out the collective corner over there. A lot of really, really great tools. And if you're not in the you know boutique fitness space and you're out there doing something else, let us know what you guys think of these podcasts. You know, we're just out here talking about things that are affecting us that come to our mind. And uh, you know, shoot us a comment on iTunes, um, give us a rating, a review. We truly appreciate it. MDV, that was a really cool episode. And um, guys, keep raising the bar. Anything you got? That's it. Let's go. All right.